You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel, aka Dr. Lowe. I am your host. Thank you for joining me for uh, pressing play on this episode. I appreciate it. I've been doing this show for over 10 years and it never uh, gets old. I love doing it and I'm really happy to bring this content to you. So thank you for joining me. If you're brand new, welcome. Um, I have a focus in my medical practice in um, hormones, autoimmune digestive disorders. Um, so for a lot of you who have been listening, you, I get probably half my patients from the podcast. So a lot of you guys listen and there's something that you resonated with that you need some help with, maybe just need someone to listen, to run some labs. I work with patients locally, but I also work with patients all over the country. It's all on zoom. So locations on an issue. If you need to have another look at some labs you've had done or just want to go the, the route of being like a full-fledged patient. I would be so happy to work with you. Uh, first appointment's an hour. It's my intake. And then I run labs that I want to um, see for you. So it might be blood work, maybe stool testing, hormone testing, um, genetic testing, leaky gut, gluten. I check for all of it. So, um, and then the second visit, we go over all of your results and I put together a plan of action at the end of uh, a 10 week plan. We repeat your labs and see how things have improved. And it's truly amazing. At, at our practice, we have a pediatric pediatric naturopathic doctor. We have a nutrition coach. Um, we have an amazing office manager who walks your, holds your hand and walks you through every step of it. So it truly is like the Nordstrom of natural medicine, really like you are treated like royalty in our practice. So be really, really happy to work with you. If you want to learn more about it or just ask some questions, go over to shinenaturalmedicine.com. Um, and you can just get some more information, sign up for our newsletter. Um, a, a big focus on our show today is going to be on mental health. Well, actually in December, we're doing a focus on mental health specifically. So we're going to be providing a lot of tips about that. We'll be focusing on that in our social media. So check that out. And I think those are the updates I wanted to give you guys. So yeah, so we'll just keep it kind of brief. We'll jump into the meat of the show. So we have Colleen Ryan Hensley on the show today. And she's super interesting to me. This woman, I swear, she's, she's a major, just badass. Sorry to say it, but she's, she is. I mean, if you look at the things that she's accomplished, she's a veteran, she served for 10 years um, in the Navy, and she is launching something called binging sobriety, which if you look at the hashtag binging sober, so definitely keep that in mind. It's going to be launching January 1st. And we'll dive more into what that means exactly when we chat with her and hear a little bit more about her story and what her focus is. But I'm actually going to let her tell more of her bio because it's a lot. And I would rather, <laughs> rather you say it, Colleen. So Colleen, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. And um, let's chat all things mental health. Thanks, Dr. Lowe. Thank you so much for that awesome intro <laughs> I tried. and for having me today. <laughs> kind of stumbled through it. So Tell us a little bit more, who, who are you exactly? Tell us what you, you know, a little bit of your journey up until now, and then what you're, what you are launching in January and what that is. Sure. So I am a Navy veteran, as you said, um, my background is in performance psychology. So, um, so 
methods for peak performance, if you will. Um, and my focus has really been on mental toughness for the past 14 years. Um, and along with that, I'm a huge advocate for mental health and everything around mm -hmm. it as a holistic part of life. And it's my dream to have people be more proactive and preventative. And, and hopefully that will allow us to build a, a system around it that can support all of that. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I am, what do we want to know? I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> I live just outside of Houston with my amazing husband. Um, I have three grown stepchildren full-time. They are my children. Mm -hmm. Um, and we live on a little farmette out oh here gosh. in Houston. I love that borderline jealous because I just love anything farms. <laughs> when someone says farm, my ears perk up. I'm like, I love farms. And I just, well, I said yeah. farm et. It's, it's very farm small. Farm. It's okay. It counts. So do you have animals? We do. We have four rescue dogs and we have two, uh, rescue horses. They're retired oh. therapy horses. Oh, and this cool. is my first time with horses. It's been a very interesting adjustment, but it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. You're embracing your country roots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, what are, what are some things you experienced in your, I guess, history leading up to what you're focusing on now? Was there something that you went through personally that had you really look at this and go, I, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Yes. Yes. First figuring it out. And then, oh my gosh, I need to share this. Yeah. Um, the, so being in the military, even prior to that, when I was a teenager, I suffered a lot with uh, depression. It was uh, sparked a lot by not my parents' divorce, because that was actually the positive part of it, but everything mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. that leading up to it was a very unhealthy, just toxic and toxic environment um, with a lot of fighting and things like that. Um, and so when my dad did finally go, it actually created some space for us to, you know, heal a little bit back then. But then after that, my grandfather, who actually inspired my service in the Navy, um, I grew up on his his sea stories, these like amazing sea stories of world travel and, mm. and his friends and camaraderie and the ships. And I just always, always wanted to follow in his footsteps. So cool. Um, yeah, even though he thought that women shouldn't be on ships, you know, he was old, he was okay. old school. Yeah. He was old school. Well, he passed away when I was 14 unexpectedly. And that really let me like, as I, you know, see it now, just very untethered, very just kind of floating around without my support system, without my, my safety. He was just a big hero of mine. So that was really when a lot of my mental health challenges started and I started drinking really early to, to really avoid those uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I finally felt mentally strong enough and, and physically and mentally ready to go into the Navy when I was 21. So actually a little bit uh, later than most. Um, and I joined and really embraced the stoic culture, this, you know, mentally tough, like gritty, you know, resilient kind of robotic, unfeeling life. Mm -hmm. And during that time, um, and trigger warning for anybody out there who may, you know, have trauma around sexual assault, I was uh, raped when I was 22. So 22 years ago now, mm. just crazy to even think about. Well, at the time I was so drunk that I was blacked out and I lost awareness and control those are 
are now the foundations of binging of hashtag binging sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I blamed myself entirely for it because I, you know, had so much to drink and nobody forced me to do that. And I didn't report it and I buried it for 15 years. Mm. So that leads us kind of until net up until now, which I'll, you know, I could go back and fill in blanks, but really what happens with trauma, which I would like to change is this idea of mental toughness being, yes, the resilience that we need in the moment of the stressful situation to get through it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the part that's missing, that is the most tough of, of all of it is returning to that trauma, to those feelings, to that pain that we may have buried to heal it mm-hmm. because it comes out anyway. And that's, right. that's what happened while I was in the military afterwards. And I had buried that trauma, all of that toxicity that, that just, you know, those, that the trauma was inside of me pushing its way out. Anyway, I was, you know, mean, heartless. I couldn't get close to anybody. I was just, I mean, like I said, I was really robotic anyway. So it just, it just kind of, it, it filled in the gaps of that, you know, badass attitude that really yeah. made me a great sailor. But mm-hmm. this whole time I had this buried. And so it wasn't until after the military years after the military, while I was in mental health counseling that I, under the guise of life coaching, by the way, that's how I got into counseling is, is, <laughs> is using a life coach who was also a counselor. Um, during that time, I started peeling back the layers and, and eventually uncovered that trauma. And so it was in the end, my mental toughness that had blocked me from healing that for so long. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. what I really want to talk about is just redefining this idea of mental toughness for the next generation. So that, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we experience these traumas, we also, we also have the wherewithal and the plan and the knowing to go back and revisit, because again, that's, that is the mental, that's mental toughness to me. Yeah. Back to it. Real courage to do that. Yeah. So what uh, changed for you when you did that? Oh my gosh, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my husband about 10 years ago now and he had trauma of his own. He was, he's a fighter pilot in the Navy and he, um, he and I had a lot of walls up. Both of us did. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and, you know, I had been so like, just uh, self, just sabotaged relationships up until this point. But yeah. when I met him, I just really, really liked him. There was something about him that, I mean, first of all, I moved across the country to be with him just temporarily to see if it would work. But um, also I just, that was that he And my drive to get close to him, realizing that I was having a hard time was this driving force for me to start facing these things like this. Why in the world can I not get close to anybody? Like, what is, what's my problem? So um, when I actually uncovered the trauma, because there was years of therapy before that, um, when, when it came out and I told my therapist, I actually stopped seeing her for like a few months. I didn't even want to face the fact that I was a victim. Mental health therapy. I mean, you know, you're on, you're peeling back the layers. Yes. Really getting to know your mind as you're digging through, which is a, a fantastic adventure. I wish everybody would do it. Um, and so I told my counselor that I, what I said to her at first was, 
I think I may have been taken advantage of in the Navy. Like I couldn't even say the words, like I couldn't face it because again, as part of that mental toughness, good Lord, we can't be victims. Like, you know, like that's no, 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 no way. Like I just pushed that away. You know, that resilience is that, that pushing it away. And so I just, I feel like we, I'll, I'll harp on that. I'll go back to it a million times, you know, yes, resilience is important, but it causes us to push things away instead of pulling them closer and embracing them and healing them. Mm-hmm. And so when right. I finally did go back to her, that's a whole other story. Um, but when I finally did go back to her a few months later, I asked her if she remembered what I said. And immediately she said, yes, you thought you were raped in the Navy. And I was like, oh. I was like, what? Was like, <laughs> You're like, I didn't use those words. Hold yes. on. Like, it was the first time I heard that word. And it like, you know, it, it struck me. I was like wow. shocked for a second. And then I said to her, yes, I was raped in the Navy. And when I said that, Dr. Lowe, it was like a million pounds had been released from my body Wow! and my entire life, like the world looked different. And I just said the words, mm-hmm. like it, it, it was just this acceptance. And so, you know, what took me 10 years, you know, ish to get there, if mental toughness included going back to those things immediately after we know we have these stressful situations, that's a shortcut that can cut out a lot of time. Right. So how was that process for you? I mean, once you opened your mouth and said that you had a weight lifted, was Mm. everything just peaches after that? Or or how was that process of really that? Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, I mean, that was definitely a big, like a big turning point because, you know, it's like this, I, you know, this validation of this internal struggle I'd been having for a while, because before I told her I'd been having flashbacks, I'd been, it was destroying my sleep. I was, I mean, it was destroying everything when it started to come back. And so after that, obviously I continued uh, counseling and, um, you know, I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I would love to, um, you know, it's, it's said the research suggests that every different modality of, of therapy, of counseling, of alternative therapies that aren't even evidence-based yet, they all have about the same success rate because they're so, what we, what we relate to as individuals that can work to heal us is different for all of us. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important for people to understand is that, you know, there's a million different ways to peel an onion. If you want, like, put right. it that way. And um, for me, it was, I don't know if you've ever heard of internal family systems or parts work. I've heard of hearts work. Hearts work. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, in that few months that I hadn't seen her, she started my counselor I'm referring to started learning parts work. Mm. And the way that it works is, you know, when we say, Oh, well, you know, this part of me really doesn't feel comfortable with that or, or a part of me, this, like it's, it's in our common language, like that we say this and what internal family systems or parts work does is it looks at those parts. And the idea is that we all have these parts and they are in us and we're, I'm probably going to, I'm not going to articulate this well. I'll try. Um, They, they are, all of these parts are a part of us and have developed over time through our different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so there are a few different parts that are active. One of, 
you know, like protectors, there's protectors, there's managers, there's, you know, there's all these different parts. And I highly recommend checking out, you know, YouTube, just look up parts work. There's some really cool videos. Okay. Um, but that is really like, that was the direction I started to go. And so what you do is you honor those parts and why they are there and you look and, and for me, I'm a very visual person. I'm very imaginative. And so when she started talking about this, I was like, oh my gosh, what, like, what is, what are you talking about? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I really embraced this like fully, like journaling every night, closing my eyes and visualizing what was happening inside of my head, you know, wow. Wow. and eventually what you do, the idea, the goal is to have the self, which is also in the head to be the leader of the group. So imagine like a boardroom where you have all these different parts and they're there for all these different reasons. And then you have the boss, the self who is, who should be in charge. But a lot of times it's, we're not because there's just this full on chaos in there. And so it took me, you know, I, I still use parts work. It's fascinating. It has really organized my life. And the goal is to have peace and harmony inside, like internally, match the peace and harmony in your external life. Mm, and so it's, an, it's an ongoing process, but it's fascinating. And so, you know, big, uh, you know, props for parts work, but that's really like the process that seriously, I really, really embraced to, to heal all of this and to take that big trauma. And now it's like a, you know, now it's kind of outside of me. I can look at it mm. and I can appreciate it for what it is and what it's, you know, what it's taught me and those kinds of things but also it's not, it doesn't have power over me anymore. And mm -hmm. so, um, and then now, you know, this next step in, in my healing is talking about it. It's, I just think it's really important. Oh yeah. I think that's a huge part of, of the healing for anybody is using that to now, okay, you have a responsibility. I think yes. when you go through things and learn and how can you pay that on? We're only on this planet for so long. So exactly. what are you going to leave here? You know? So, um, I love that. I'll check out parts Hearts work. I haven't actually, I thought, I thought you were saying heart and I was thinking of heart math. So oh, I, oh, I love heart math too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these things have such a beautiful place. And yes. I don't want anyone listening to feel like there's this one thing, this one magic bullet because yes. everybody is so different and, yeah. you know, try not to get overwhelmed by it because it can feel overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm this emotional case and I react to everything. I don't want to be close to anyone. I have PTSD, all these things. It's like, what the heck do I do? Yeah. What's the first thing that I do, you yeah. know? So, yeah. and actually let's talk about that. What is, you know, what's the first thing someone <laughs> does? And we're like, holy crap, I'm, I'm this person. I'm realizing it. Okay. Now what? I know it can be so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, well, as a huge mental health advocate, I mean, first of all, I think that as I've said, you know, being proactive and preventative and always having a counselor, because mm. at, first of all, I know I say that and it's like, Ooh, that's easy. Um, well the system, you know, we're having a hard time keeping up with it. Um, and right. I think a lot of that, the reason why is because, because it takes us as a society to feel like we need to be in crisis before we look for help. Mm, right. Very and that's much. what, yeah. And that's what causes the challenges with, with finding a therapist. So if you have one already, you know, then you can explore the many, many options that are out there of ways to, you know, look at these things and methods to use to heal. Um, but, you know, as you said, what's the first thing that you do? Well, that awareness is the first thing, right? Saying mm. like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I do have more control over this than I'm letting on. Like, Right. I, I, you know, in a perfect world, we'd all be really just 
owners of our own feelings and really just take charge and know that, you know, this is something that we can in fact control. And it just involves a lot of that awareness. And unfortunately in our society, we're very, very distracted by other things that, that, you know, we hope will make us feel better, but make us feel worse over time. And Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where hashtag binging sober comes in. So let's talk about what's, what's binging sober. How do you, where'd that name come from? And define it. <laughs> so, I mean, it popped into my head because um, when I talk about sobriety, I'm really talking about lack of intoxication from anything that we lean on to escape. So, you know, binge watching, binge drinking, binge eating, binge shopping, um, like all of these different things. We have so much access to all of these tools of escape that just keep us distracted from a natural zest and energy for life that exists within all of us. It's just, we're constantly doing things to get away from that. Yeah. And, and they're habitual and they're also acceptable by society. And I am by no means saying don't do those things ever because Dr. Lowe, if you tell me not to have popcorn, that's all I'm going to think about. Yep. But, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, you know, when we can develop an aware, an awareness and control around those things as individuals, like it's kind of hard to control anybody else, but, but yourself, when you really think about and you really start biohacking, if you will, if you want to call it hacking yourself, like, oh, well, let me lay off, you know, maybe I'll just watch TV for a half hour, you know, on this day or whatever, mm-hmm. but really paying attention to how those things truly impact you over time. It's not that, you know, in the moment you might feel great after a glass of wine, but we all know that, hey, that could mess up my sleep. I'm just speaking from personal experience. Like, you know, if I have a glass of wine, my sleep is messed up. So if I know that, like if I have a plan around those things, what I've noticed, because this is a process that I've I've been using for 20 years since the Navy, but that I really started developing and paying attention to over the past like three to five years And what I've noticed is, is that developing that awareness around it and also the things that I can do to reverse the impact. So let's say I have a glass of wine. Okay. Well, let me make sure I drink, you know, drink a lot of water and have a high protein meal and, and stop drinking hours before bedtime and make sure I get, you know, my, my routine full night of sleep. All of those things reverse the impact instead of, you know, 10 years ago, I may have, may have had the full bottle of wine and wondered why three days later, I still felt horrible and lacked vitality, lacked energy. And so hashtag binging sober is really about developing awareness, control, and balance of all of those things, all of them that you are using to make yourself better, but you're actually making yourself worse. So you lose, you either drain your energy with those things or you increase your energy. Mm -hmm. So you have a tailored point system in the end um, that you can turn to as a plan to balance your energy throughout the day. And what I found the really cool thing is, and that's what a sober binge is, right. To abstain from something for any period of time. What I've noticed is, is that you start to crave the sober binges instead of the things that you were using to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you associate that with more points. So you talk about <laughs> that point system. <laughs> it's so great. I mean, we're all just little kids. We all just want points. We want gold stars. We want a sticker. We want something. Oh, absolutely. We will have stickers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, how can I hack this to where I make it a game and I really am focusing on things that charge my batteries rather than depleting me. 
And it's yeah. very um, practical. I think yes. that's what people really need. There's just so much conceptual. There's 9,000 podcasts you can listen to on any single day, probably 9 million, probably way more than that now. Oh but, um, you know, I mean, you can just walk out of there just feeling so scattered with all these different pieces of information. Yes. But how can I actually bring this into the tangible reality of my day? Yes. So I think that point thing is really cool. Thank you. Yeah. And, and yes, you get more points. And if you do go on full sober binges, you get bonus points. Right. Um, and again, all this will be released on January 1st, but the cool thing is, you know, yes, you associate with having more points, but, but when you, you know, I think a lot of us don't, we just do these things habitually and then we don't ever get to experience that, that natural zest I talked about. Mm -hmm. And so once you start getting those more points, you're also associating that with different, really good feelings that maybe you haven't felt in a while. And so it reinforces itself. Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, I haven't felt like this for 20 years. You know, yeah, I feel like myself yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find this a lot with patients where they start to kind of get used to feeling bad. And then that's like their new identity oh my until gosh. we start to pull back the layers and, and address things that are getting in the way of them feeling great. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I thought I was just getting old. I didn't know that yeah. I could feel that good again. Yeah. We have all of those different ideas about feeling, you know, getting old, you know, with these terrible feelings attached to it. And it's just not the case. I don't right. I don't prescribe, I don't subscribe to it. <laughs> I am buying it. So you talk about escapism, um, just basically trying to escape any uncomfortable feeling. And I would go so far as to say excruciating feelings at times. Oh, yeah. Some of us, we feel things so much more than other people. So that's the challenge that I run into. I talk about my own personal stuff all the time on the show. So I'm, I'm cool with it, but I run into periods of time where I just can't handle the world, you know, just yeah, all the emotions. I've, I'm definitely like a highly sensitive person. I've always just felt things so deeply and strongly and almost like a melancholy, just yeah. this deep darkness, you know, and, and I, and, and, and it can be beautiful to extent, partly enjoyable, but sometimes just really bad and really hard to deal with. Um, and so, so yeah, escapism is big during those, those times. And I'm a newlywed, just got married in June. So my husband and I, thank you. <laughs> I'm with a wonderful guy as well. And so grateful. And I was just was with so many knuckleheads before him. And I had to have my own little personal transformation to be a match for him. But, um, you know, but, but yeah, I just, I'm learning these. It's hard. I guess my question is like, how do I navigate through those tendencies and that natural way of handling the world, but also be mentally tough, but also like, be vulnerable and connected to people. Yes. It's just hard. It's it like, how hard. the heck do you do it? It is hard. And like we were talking about before, you know, we started, you know, this conversation is like, we have to give ourselves grace Yes. in dealing with these things. And totally. And that does yeah. help when I'm like, oh, wow, I'm feeling it again. Look at this you know, beautiful life that I have and, and just all that comes with it, all the different colors, whether they're bright and beautiful or they're dark and they're hard to, hard to process, but either way it's colorful. Cause I think the real, um, like tragedy is when it all turns to gray, you know, Well, you know, that's what I was just going to say. Okay. So, you know, how I've been talking about mental toughness and how we have this idea of the resilience part of mental toughness and pushing things away and pushing things mm -hmm. away. 
but what we really need to do is embrace them and make it part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I still, you know, it, it is a practice. This is a practice. You can have all of the self-awareness in the world and still struggle from day to day. I have horrible days still, but what what's happened is my, my judgment and my perception of those days has become healthier. The more I look at it and say, Oh, I'll give you an example. And this is like something that with hashtag binging sober, I really put together, like something really clicked for me because there's a scale of vitality where, um, that's one of the main tools. And so when you give yourself points, you're moving up and down the scale. Well, you know, you're talking about this melancholy or having like really tough days, these excruciating days. Like that's a, I've accepted those. Like, I know that that's just part of me and it could be hormonally related. It could be related to hormones. It could be related to a million other things. But what I've noticed is sometimes when I am at like, let's just, you know, arbitrary number, like a negative five on the scale, I might actually be feeling okay with that. Like, okay, well, I know that I just, you know, just, just rest, just lay down, just meditate, just go to sleep. Like, just like it, it really I've developed this plan around my feelings and around my energy in my life that gives me like permission to, to feel the excruciating right, and to right. embrace it as a part of it. Because I don't know if you've experienced this Dr. Lowe and I'm, a sh- I'm pretty sure you probably have because you can feel those excruciating things. You can also feel the elation that matches it. Mm-hmm. It's true. Unless there's been so much pain and trauma that you kind of can't feel those things, you know? And I think Um, that's why you need to like, and I can speak to that. Like that's where the processing and the healing comes in to open that back up to feeling Mm. those things. Yep, exactly. So, oh man, it's, well, the thing is, is people have escapism because they don't want to face the pain, but if the answer is facing the pain and if that's the solution and if it were easy, there would be no escapism. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's simple, but it's not easy necessarily. Right. So, but it sounds like it's kind of the only way you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta face that pain and however way you can based on you as an individual, but Otherwise you do just constantly push it down and have these different outlets that are not healthy. Well, we've been taught that way for so long. I mean, that's what we've been taught. So, you know, imagine that that idea that we need to push these things away, that was also created by us, like a, you know, (laughs) collective idea of what it means to be alive somehow has stopped including pain and these horrible things. And so, you know, they're just a part of life as well. So one of the ways I've started like, you know, seeing it is that that beautiful life, the beautiful life that we want exists at the same location as all of the the pain and all of the trauma and everything else. It's just, it's Mm. all jumbled up and, and it's changing your judgment and your perspective of it Mm. that, that becomes a part of that healing process too. I love that. The changing of the perspective because the event itself is the same. You're just seeing it differently. Yes. Yes. And if we're all seeing it that way, you know, then we're going to just back each other up like, oh no, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't feel these things. But Mm. if we just started seeing it the other way and I know it's like, yeah, that sounds simple, but it's not easy, but that's where these conversations come in. 
like just start talking about it that way. Yeah. I think identity is a big part of it because we can identify with a particular person, quote unquote person of like, like I'm someone who can't handle trauma or I'm someone who this or that, or I went through this, therefore I'm this. And, And like going back to people around us, they can sometimes echo and kind of solidify that identity Cause it's like, yes. they, they, you know, know who you are, but it's like, who are you really? And you can be something different every day, you know? So exactly. like just, just being aware of that and giving yourself that, that clean slate. I really do. I don't do it enough, but I love journaling. I mean, when I do journaling and just write and just write and write and write, it's like, man, it, it just feels like such a unclogging of the brain. Yep. And, and yep. It, it's amazing because it's just you and yourself guiding through your own stuff. And yeah. it doesn't matter how many therapists you see, psychiatrists, psychologists, you know, even like talking to pastors or elders or all this stuff, like you can get amazing, beautiful perspective from all these places and wisdom. But the, I think there really is something that's irreplaceable by, by just connecting with your own thoughts and yourself. 100%, 100%. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great place where I've like connected to, Hey, what are my judgments of this? Really? Like apart from what everybody else right. thinks, what do I really feel about it? Because I don't think we take enough time to do that, to have those conversations with ourselves. Like, Hey, Colleen, what does happiness really mean to you? Because it's very, it looks very different than what I'm seeing on, you know, booze commercials and travel commercials. Like so true. Right. (laughs) Sometimes I'll say a sentence. I'm like, why did I even say that? Like, where did I hear that? (laughs) I didn't think that's true. Like just one of those, like, you know, household little phrases or things that people say. I'm like, I don't even think, I I wish I could think of what it was. I was like, that's the dumbest thing. And I don't even think that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're trying to live up to all of these ideas that weren't even created by us. And that's where a lot of, you know, depression and sadness and like, and guilt and like, you know, inferiority and all of these horrible feelings come from when we're trying to live up to these ideas that aren't even ours. Yeah. 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 So I think journaling is a great way to, to look at that. Like, Hey, what are, are my beliefs? What are they really? Do you but have you like think- a daily go-to? Do you have like, I, I think of these as like anchor, anchor, um, habits. Like, do you yes. have something that, you know, works for you that keeps you strong without being like a suck it up sailor and just, you know, push things away. Like you're able to really deal with stuff as it comes. Cause that's the beauty of it. Once you get to a place yeah. where, you know, it's, it's sort of like with naturopathic medicine, we have to go back and do a lot of the cleaning up and the groundwork. But once you're at that health place yes. and you know, it's not perfect for anybody, but once you're at that place, then you figure out ways to maintain it. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Well, it's the scale of vitality for hashtag binging sober. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> and I'll tell you more about in January. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's important to figure out for yourself. What is it that is that maybe yeah. one anchor habit? Yeah. Like for me, I'm figuring okay. it out. I'm like, how can I, cause I'm pulling out of this, like sort of this cave phase where I've been like licking my wounds and just kind of handling life and stuff and oh, pulling yeah. out of it. But, and now I'm like, okay, how can I make it to where this, it isn't so much of that up and down roller coaster. And so for me, I was like, okay, I think a prayer walk would be the Ooh, one I thing like that. what's that one action you mm. can do I'm getting walking I'm getting fresh air I'm getting nature sunshine. yeah I mean I'm I God you know yeah. exactly so I really want to have that be like the first thing I do when I open my eyes I just get my butt over I live three minutes from the beach like what am I doing I could be there every day you know yeah. yes. <laughs> so just walking even for 10 minutes but just starting that I think for me and I'm going to try it out and see for how for how long. And I, yeah. I've learned to not overcommit to stuff. Like I'm going to try it and see how it goes. And, yeah. um, you know, and over time making that be a habit and then that can be my anchor, but, um, but having those other like 
kind of bonus things that you can do. I think of it as like a, like a tool belt. You have all these, you know, if you play yes. a video game, you have all these little tools you can grab, you know, at the sword down, the gun and this and that. Like, yes, you you're, talking about, little, you're talking about, you're talking about Benji Silver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and a lot of times we don't even know what those things are for ourselves and exactly. they can be so individual. I mean, I would, I would venture to say that nature and fresh air is 100% all around right. yeah. <laughs> good for all that of us. Translates. Outside. Uh-huh. And if I, if I realize that I am feeling down and a lot of times that's where you don't even want to do anything. I'm like, just go outside and take, yep. you yep. know, just go outside. Just yep. get your butt outside. <laughs> Whenever yep. I see people just like freaking out online and, and doing all the, you know, the trolling and the crazy comments mm-hmm. and all this stuff. My a friend of mine wore this like Halloween costume and everybody freaked out and said she was this racist. It was like, come on, you guys. I'm like, just go outside. <laughs> you guys just go outside. All of this will be just alleviated. Yes. You know, yes, I agree. <laughs> get off your computer and go get some air. Um, <laughs> I love this. Is there anything else about this that you wanted to touch on? I'm kind of just hopping around. Gosh, we covered so much of it. It's true. Uh, one thing that you that you said, I think it was in your bio or something, is, um, let's see, uh, do, do, do. optimal wellness from a place of knowing the ways in which living with depression can be an extraordinarily rich experience when you know how. Could you yeah. just explain that a little more? I thought that that really made uh, me go, huh? Yeah, like we've that. touched we've touched on a lot of that. Like, yeah. you know, with my depression, like I I've. I, like I said, I still go to, you know, dark places sometimes. And now I just have the tools. I know what I need and it's very individual. Like it's very individual. We have to have plans for ourselves. Yeah. And so I know what I need to get out of it. I feel like if I'd never had those challenges and I, if I never had these things that have forced me to see different perspectives that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, I just think that's what leads to a full life. And there are other cultures around this world that are so much better at accepting the, the bad feelings as so part true. of life, you know, yeah, yep. so much, and they're very rich cultures, like rich, mm-hmm. I mean, full of love and life and joy. And, and, and I've seen a lot of that traveling with the Navy. And so, you know, you go, huh, you know, you see these people that by the looks of it, don't have anything materially but there's so much love and so much spirit and so much joy. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? Right. So, so, you know, this, this idea of depression, I feel like if I never had that challenge, then I wouldn't be able to experience just the riches of life that have nothing to do with material because I wouldn't have had the, the path to see that perspective. Yes, exactly. And not having that mindset that it's like, I'm either, perfect or I'm depressed, right? It's like, it it can be a continuum and, um, and try not to put labels and just, just give yourself that grace. I love it. Well, hopefully you guys listening, this is a, you know, just honest conversation of just two people who still deal with stuff. And despite us, you know, accomplishing things, like we're still humans that deal with stuff. And, you know, I think it's just important for us to just know that we are so connected with each other. We all deal with the same things. Um, and we can all rise from it and still be, you know, resilient, have that strong mindset and all of that. So it's all possible. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. So 100%. you guys want to, um, follow what Colleen's up to her website is Colleen Ryan Hensley.com. And that's also her handle on Instagram, Colleen Ryan Hensley. And definitely make a note, binging sober, hashtag binging sober starting January 1st. So you can check her out and a little more information about that. I'm looking forward to that. And 
Yeah. Thank you, Colleen. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing with us uh, so vulnerably your story and just your beautiful climb out of thank you, that, thank you that Dr. toughness Lynn, for having yeah. me it's been so much fun i know it's been so much fun okay good well enjoy your day and we will talk to you soon thanks guys i hope you enjoyed this episode of dr low radio thank you so much for joining us and for more after the show you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends and please head over to itunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment i read each and every one and they warm my heart Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.